Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I am here with Nikita Pope. She is the chief chick and primary brand strategist of Branding Chicks, a boutique branding studio in Atlanta, Georgia. Branding Chicks specializes in branding women-owned businesses and female-focused brands. As a brand strategist, she helps clients narrow down their focus, gives their brands a voice, slingshots their confidence, and clarifies their message so that it resonates directly with their target markets. She also helps businesses large and small to brand or rebrand to attract and grow customer bases for new products and professional services through custom, creative, relevant brand-promoting strategies. Over the last past 18 years, she has worked as a strategist, graphic designer, creative director, and brand manager, which has given her experiences that inform how she works with her clients. Her passion for brand strategy is also evident through her teaching advertising strategy, branding, and design at this Creative Circus, one of the top-rated advertising portfolio schools in the U.S. for the past 10 years. Nikita, thanks for being on Converge Coffee. How are you today? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Um, so as a brand strategist, reading just reading through your bio, um, loved your messaging. I think I messed up almost twice um, <laughs> with all, all the commas and the keywords and everything. But um, <laughs> I, I loved your I loved your background on mm -hmm. on helping out and being a graphic design, but also moving that graphic design focus over to um being helpful for women-focused brands, which I absolutely love, and women-owned companies that they might not get as much attention. And I, I really want to know, and I think a lot of the coffee drinkers want to know, is why did you start Branding Chicks? What was the, the driver behind that? Well, it's an interesting story. Um, as you said, I, you know, I started as a designer. Um, and in addition to all of um, my previous positions, I always um, had a freelance business on the side. Um, so I always had clients that were outside of my full-time job. And so when I decided to go out on my own full-time, one of the things that I did was to um, survey my clients, the ones that have been working with me on and off, the ones who had continued to come back. I talked to them and asked them what it was that they enjoyed about working with me. So part of the thing, it was a very enlightening um, exercise. So one of the things that I realized was that most of my clients were women um, and that wasn't really by design, but um, part of the things that they were also attracted to about working with me was my style of working. So not only what I did with them, but how I worked with them. Um, and some of those things were absolutely just, you know, intrinsic as well. Like that's just how I, I tend to operate in those spaces. And so I realized that in order to build an authentic brand, I really wanted it to be based on the things that I already do well and the things that, you know, my audiences are responding to. So the more I really decided to look at what um, what the climate is in in the marketplace in terms of women owned businesses and things like that, I realized that there is a lot of opportunity there. Um, and there is, um, you know, the demographic of, of businesses that are growing exponentially for the last like 10 years or so has been mostly owned by women. Um, so it's a huge market and women are in every single industry. They're in every segment of the market. And, and you know, I knew that 
that would be something that I would really enjoy doing. I care about women's empowerment. I care about seeing women be successful. And, you know, my style of working, um, I'm a teacher at heart, I'm a professor, as you said in the intro. Um, you know, I, I teach my clients as I work with them. Uh, that's just part of my style. And I found that women really responded to that. I found that they responded to um, me understanding that their brand is a part of them and that, you know, it's coming from them like it's almost a baby that they birth. Um, and not just because they're women. I think entrepreneurs feel that way in general. But, you know, that was those the combination of things just kind of led me to that path and realizing that, you know, there was there was a, an underserved um, community of women who have are running these fantastic businesses and that they may need branding help or that they may not, you know, know exactly what to do with their brands. And I was really passionate about helping them. I, I love it. And the thing is, is you kind of alluded to um, teaching um, mm -hmm. in your, for your clients and everything. What, what is your approach um, helping your clients? I think that's not giving away the secret sauce, but what is your approach and <laughs> doing that? Well, there's a few a few main tenets. Um, uh, teaching is one, as I said, and when I say teaching in that sense, what I mean is that you know I, my goal is never to um, create a brand without you, um, and it also isn't to create your brand without you understanding where it came from or to be able to execute, continue to execute that brand long after you're working with me. So when I say teach, I mean, you know, I'm, I want to collaborate with my clients. I want to make sure that they know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I try to give examples of other brands that they're familiar with so that they can map that on top of, you know, what they're doing with their businesses. And I try to give them a lens to look through. So, you know, the, once the foundation of a brand is built, meaning the voice of the brand or the visual identity, the messaging, exactly who the audience is in a very detailed sort of way, those are the things that continue to um, give you focus and help you make decisions about you know products and services and partnerships and marketing opportunities. All of those things are are informed by that foundation for the brand. So my goal is always to give them a, a lens to look through as they are building their businesses or making their businesses flourish so that they're constantly considering those things. Um, and putting that, you know, putting that into perspective for them is part of how I go about doing that. Um, because like I said, I, I know that I have, this is my area of expertise and that there's so many areas that I can help them with that they may not be equipped to help themselves, but I also want them to be able to feel confident that they know what their brand is and to be able to flourish inside of it with or without me. I love that, that you are, you're, you're not um, showing them how to fish or teaching them how to fish in, in a Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Um, and I love I love the 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 articulation of the scope of the of the work um, mm -hmm. or scope of what they're looking through. So um, flipping a little gears here on um, you know you're teaching at Creative Cir Circus, mm -hmm. how do you relay that client work of talk and branding chicks to mm -hmm. to your students? How do you teach them to teach others? 
Um, uh, do several different things. So, um, I talk about examples in my class, my classes a lot, um, about brands that they're familiar with as well. I teach my, my students the same way I kind of teach my clients. Um, and I talk to them about, you know, situations that I have on a day-to-day basis with clients and collaborations and things like that. And just sort of um, having them understand that as the marketing or branding professional or whether they're in advertising, whatever the case may be, I'm teaching them the back end of it, which is, you know, the strategic part of it. And how do you break it down for yourself? How do you figure out where the message is? How do you um, understand who your audience is in a really powerful way so that that will inform like how you approach, you know, whatever uh, objective your client has. But also, you know, when it comes to on the t- time to present those ideas and do it in a creative way, um, that, that you need to know how to inform the client as well. Because even in the sense of, you know, you've come up with this fantastic campaign and you've done all the back work, you've done the strategy, you know who the audience is, you know those things. It's important to be able to relay that to your client in a very specific way as you pitch your idea so that they have the same context that you have. So some of that really is education. So, you know, setting the, the setting the stage for your creative idea to show up in the best possible light is one of the ways that, you know, they are sort of learning that without always realizing that they're learning that. I love that you're guiding them through a process, you're helping them. And here, here's the biggest thing that I think a lot of people um, that you can, you can share your expertise is a lot of people think design and branding are the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. And um, I know that you, you've studied and you're working in graphic design. Um, can you can you explain um, two different things? What what is good branding, and then what is good design, and and, and the difference between the two? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you're right. So um, often, you know, the biggest issue that I run into with the idea of branding is that it's become a little bit of a buzzword. Um, and I think it, it I, in some ways it's so good because it's making people think about what their brand actually is. Um, but on the flip side of that, there's lots of people who define it in a lot of different ways. Um, and because of that, it gets a little bit confusing for the people who are trying to build their own brands. Um, so here's, here's my definition. Um, and it is the most classical one, I think, is that you know, branding is the sum total of the experience that your audience has with your brand. That is everything. It is the it is the perception they have about your brand, but it's informed by so many different things. It's informed by the packaging of your product, by your website, your social media presence, how people greet them at the door if they walk into your retail establishment, how people answer the phone when you call for customer service, or how the receptionist greets them when they call or how your product shows up at the door when it's delivered if you order online, Um, what the process of ordering online is, what the voice of the brand is. Um, It is everything. It's every single element of your brand that gets touched by your audience. Um, And the perception of your brand that then comes from that. So when you talk about brand equity, that is how valuable a brand really is. And that comes directly from all of those things 
plus the perception of that brand. So people, let's say um, Coca-Cola, for instance, um, that is a, a global brand that everyone is familiar with. Um, and whether you like Coke products or not, you tend to have a pretty good feeling about Coke as a brand. Um, they, they do a lot of emotional branding. They really take on um, having the, the emotional side of, of, of their brand be um, at the forefront. So when you think about family and you think about good times and, and those kinds of things, they've positioned themselves that way. So between that and the, the, the way that you feel about the product and all in their advertising and everything, you know, it's become a really um, recognized and um, prominent and successful brand. And so part of the reason why it's such a, a valuable brand is because of that equity that it's built. So it is a combination of all of those things is what builds a good brand. Um, and having it be consistent, um, having it be clear, um, and having it be interesting, like have it be creative or, you know, talk about themselves in a different way or in a way that stands out from the competitors in the same category. When it comes to um, good design, there is a slightly different. So good design is very visual, of course. You know, graphic design is a visual medium, uh, but it includes a lot of other things as well. So on the visual side, you've got composition and color and typography and how that's being used. Um, but you have form as well. So if you're designing a package for someone, is it just going to be a four-sided box? Um, or is it going to have interesting folds or interesting windows? Or is it an unusual shape for a product like that? Um, is it going to be a circle? Like, what does that look like? Um, so good design really is the visual representation of creative problem solving. Designers solve problems. Um, and we solve problems in a creative way. That's what our job is, you know? So we take into consideration the, the strategy of a brand. We take into consideration the strategy of that business that's associated with that brand. So it may be as much as we need to stand out on the shelf because we're a new product in this category and people tend to buy based on um, the fact that they've used this brand for years. So it's going to be really hard for us to break into a, a new market break in as a new product in this market. So that's a brand strategy that has to be considered. The business strategy may be there's no way that we're going to get our product on the shelves at Walmart if we don't reduce the footprint of this of this package, right? And so there's all these things that need to be considered. So we are always looking at how do we solve that problem in the best possible way, in the most creative way, but also, you know, in a way that is going to serve the needs of our clients um, and of the brands that we that we work with. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot more that goes into that too than most people realize, but that's part of the reason why it was a natural foray for my career to get into brand strategy because I was already doing it. I was already doing it as a designers, most as a designer, most designers are. Um, that is a big part of what you don't see about what we do. And so, you know, it was a natural fit for me and I still do both. Um, I still, you know, operate in both sides of the coin for my clients. So it makes it really fun because I get to approach it from different ways, but still have the same goal in mind. Nikita, I love that. I, I, I think um, a lot of people don't know that about designers. <laughs> they can almost be the voice of the brand or dictate 
how people feel about the brand. There's so much psychology behind that. And yes. I love that you use Coke as an example because they're based out of Atlanta. So yes. <laughs> I knew that you're, you're going with that one. Um, you know, the, <laughs> so this part of the episode, when you were talking about, um, and, and the previous question, talking about helping your clients, you, you gave me a, a little story about a clothing brand that um, you don't have on your website and it's not online. Would you mind explaining uh, that story in relation to um, brand strategy? Yes, definitely. So, um, and this actually, um, I believe that we'll end up working together eventually, but um, we didn't end up being, he didn't end up being a client. Um, But, you know, as you said in my intro, you know, I tend to, my niche is uh, women-owned businesses and female-focused brands. Um, And what I mean by female-focused brands is that um, I am really good at positioning things for women to appeal to women. And so um, I spoke with someone that was a potential client. Uh, He happened to be a man, but he was designing products for women. And the products that he was designing was a line of clothing that would have like really catchy sayings on them. Um, And he was really excited about it. And, you know, when I listened to, you know, him talk about his brand, it was, you know, some uh, a product that I would be really excited about purchasing myself. I could see the marketability of it. You know, I thought that there was a lot of potential there. Um, But when he got to the product itself and told me what the product looked like and the sayings that would actually go on um, the the clothing that he was designing, um, those things were not consistent. I talked about being consistent before, like when I talked about Coca-Cola. And that's one of the biggest things is that, you know, that that Coca-Cola red is the same everywhere. That's just one way in which they're being consistent. So in this situation, his messaging wasn't consistent. So how he described the brand and how he thought that the brand would be received in the kind of woman that he wanted to attract and that he wanted to 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 be his um audience for this line of clothing was not necessarily um what the product was attracting and the product wasn't attracting that woman um and it was one of those times where you know I had to tell him that like it's you know this is a, a little bit of a disconnect and we had that conversation um and then literally um uh, several years later Um, he reached out to me again and he's like, I totally understand what you meant several years ago. I get it now. Um, Because he realized that even though he had the products on the market, the people that were buying the products were completely opposite of the audience that he thought would be his audience. So he wanted a professional, fashion forward, very intelligent woman. Um, But the sayings that he put on the shirts were... um, were much more um, body focused. Um, They were about, you know, the way that the, you know, a woman sort of touting how she looks and like those things. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it wasn't it wasn't the message that a woman that he described would necessarily want to wear on their person. Um, And so it just was a disconnect in terms of, you know, this is who you say you want, but you've given them a product that that doesn't appeal to them. You, what you've done is you put something on the market that appeals to a different audience. And so when that audience started to show up and he realized that those are the only people that were buying from him, then he realized what I was saying. And so at that point, again, it wasn't a negative thing that it was a different audience. It was just not what he intended. And so, you know, then, you know, my conversation with him was, 
So now you're at a crossroads. You have an opportunity to either shift your focus and your messaging to match up with the audience you originally wanted to attract, or you can decide that you've already built some equity with this other audience and now shift everything to make sure that you're going in the right direction to keep them on board. Um, so it was a, it was an interesting, um, an interesting situation, especially because we had those conversations several years apart. And so, you know, you know, some of some of those things kind of needed to show up for him in order for him to see what I was saying. But that was part of that that consistency tenet about branding is knowing who exactly you're talking to. Um, you know, one of the things I do with my clients is I have them profile their customer um, and I usually call it an avatar. Um, but that I want you to know your customer as well as you know your best friend. So it goes past like the normal like demographics that we think about in marketing. How much money do they make? How old are they? What is their race? You know, are they married? That kind of stuff. How much money do they make? Um, it goes past that into psychographics. So, you know, what do they care about? What kind of problems are they trying to solve? What keeps them up at night? What do they do on the weekends? You know, what other brands do they buy and why do they buy them? You know, those kinds of things. That's what really gets you into the head of your audience. And it allows you to create products and services and messaging from that space instead of thinking about it, you know, from your perspective, looking in, especially if you are not the target audience. Awesome. Awesome answer. I mean, you tied everything perfectly. Um, <laughs> And I love that you're, you're, you, I, I see your, your passion for, for yeah. branding strategy. <laughs> and um, in this section, um, I think more people want to know a little bit more about you. So, yes, you are a professor at the Creative Circus and you run Branding Chicks. Yeah. But what do you do, um, you know, outside of work to bring passion back into, into what you do? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's funny. I just had this conversation with someone the other day that, you know, because I love what I do, um, a lot of the things that I do are still that I do that are not necessarily um, work related still somehow tie back into, you know, what I do for a living. Um, and not because I'm a workaholic and I can't step away. <laughs> it's more because I just, I really love what I do and it allows me to do it in different ways. Um, so one of the things I spend my time on is um, I'm very active with AIGA, um, both on the national level and the local level here in Atlanta. Um, AIGA is the American Institute for Graphic Arts, um, which is our national professional organization. Um, so we have 73, I believe, chapters in the country. Um, so I'm on the board for Atlanta here. And as a member of the board, I work with, um, I chair the, the education committee. So I work with students that are in design programs all over Atlanta, and we create programming for students. We work on our local scholarship um, and several other things, training for students and things like that, um, which really is fulfilling for me. I really enjoy it. Um, and then on a national level, I work with the Diversity and Inclusion Task Force for AIGA. Um, and we create content around diversity in design. We, um, we work with colleges and universities on the education level. Um, and we inform some of the um, strategies for AIGA on a national level as well. So that's really fun for me. Um, 
I love to paint. Um, I started as a, a fine artist. Like I've always loved to paint and draw as a kid, which is how I got into design. Um, and so I try to make things with my hands as much as I can. I don't always get to do it as much as I would like to. Um, sometimes I can bring it into my work, which is fun. So, you know, if, if there is, um, an opportunity to do illustration or to build things and shoot and do photo shoots and things like that. Like those things are really fun for me um, because it allows me to make stuff with my hands. So, you know, that always comes back around. Um, and then I just, I enjoy like meeting people and hearing their stories and um, I'm passionate about women and girls and their empowerment and their, um, their growth. Um, so I do a lot of public speaking for women's groups and conferences about women entrepreneurs and women's empowerment. Um, I mentor um, mostly girls, but I have some guys too. Um, so I mentor on multiple levels as well. And, you know, those are things that are all really, um, really fun for me. And it keeps me passionate about what I do because I get to give it away to someone else. Um, so I get to see their passion grow for it and I get to see their hunger grow for it. And that kind of keeps me fired up. I love it. I mean, you're, you're helping women, your um, male allies is what I was going to, what I was trying to think of um, yeah. when you were talking about that. Um, the last thing is, is um, what do you do health wise? It can be, you know, physical, mental, like meditation, whatever, like what do you do to treat yourself or treat yourself? kind of thing where <laughs> how do you take care of yourself um yeah. when you're like you're on the go like all the time working keeping up with that passion and keeping up with that work mm -hmm. um I don't do as well as I would like to but there are several things that I've been pretty good at keeping consistent um even though I'm constantly trying to improve that um so one of the things that I do which may seem small but it really um it really helps me is I've started scheduling meetings with myself. <laughs> um, I'm usually, you know, really good at keeping to my calendar. Like if I have a meeting schedule, I'll be there and I'll be there on time, like that kind of thing. And so, but I tend to sometimes um, not keep those promises to myself. It gets really hard to do. And so um, I've started like scheduling meetings with myself like I would with someone else. Um, and those sometimes those meetings are to just go for a walk or to go to my favorite coffee shop and just sit there with a book. Like, don't sit there and work. Don't go to the coffee shop and take conference calls. Like, don't even bring my laptop or my iPad with me. Like literally just go there with a book and sit there and have some tea or some coffee and read something. Um, and, you know, that's really been very helpful for me to just kind of give myself a moment to give myself some space to um, not think about all of the other things that are normally floating around in my head. Um, and so that's one way. Another thing is, you know, I try to, you know, get some yoga in, even if it's really quickly, like I'm, I don't always have time to like go to a gym or go to a yoga studio or anything like that anymore. But, um, I downloaded some apps on my phone and one of them is like seven minute yoga that I try to do every night. So it's literally only seven minutes. You would be surprised, though, at, you know, how much how much um, effect it has in seven minutes. Like I can usually break a little bit of a sweat. 
I, you know, I feel better. I'm more relaxed to go to sleep, which means I sleep better. Um, and I've also, um, I also have some apps that are um, sort of meditation apps as well. So sometimes I'll use those either like in the middle of the day or um, at night before I go to bed. Um, so just just those little nuggets of things I've been able to be more consistent with. Um, and I try to eat pretty healthy as well. Um, try to get as many um, fruits and vegetables as possible. And for me, that looks like um, I struggled with that for a long time. But what's been better for me is just figuring out some logistics, which sounds a little bit crazy, but that's what's helped me. So instead of like making myself go to the grocery store, which I don't really enjoy, I've started using Instacart. Um, and so it allows me to like order my groceries in like 15 minutes. I can schedule when it's going to arrive. And because I've done that and I've been consistent with doing it for about a year now, it means that I always have food in, in my house. I always have um, relatively healthy food in my house. And it means that I eat at home a lot more because I don't get in that crunch where I'm hungry, but there's nothing to eat here. And then I go make a bad, a bad decision. So I've I've found that like literally providing some structure around some of those things has helped tremendously. So I'm still working on it, but um, I'm excited about those because I feel like consistency is the key. And so I've been able to be pretty consistent with those. Nikita, I love it. I mean, I, I think this whole episode, I mean, not only with branding or design, I think the core message out of all this with anything to be successful, to help clients is consistency. I think you've mentioned it so many different times now that we, we try to be, I mean, we, we, it's kind of like uh, we have ADD. We're like, Oh, there's a butterfly. Let's, let's chase it. Um, we're like, we have to be consistent with our intentions. Mm -hmm. And so um, I really appreciate your insight, not only from a design, a branding, but, for people to get to know you a little bit better of what makes, you know, Nikita tick, you know, <laughs> why branding chicks, why design, what are you involved in? I think a lot of people will really appreciate this episode. Thank you. So thank you. I'm excited to share it. And I didn't even, once you said that that was sort of the common thread is consistency. I'm like, I didn't really realize that, but it's so true. It does impact uh, quite a few things. Like one of the, um, an analogy that actually a client told me a while back was that, you know, she sees consistency as like mailing a letter, like you put a stamp on it and you've prepared it and it's all ready to go, but you have to stick in there long enough for it to get there. You know, especially now in the realm of like instant gratification and the idea that, you know, we want everything to happen so quickly that now like mailing something is actually called snail mail because it seems like it takes so long to get there when it really doesn't. But like the idea that like you have to wait for it to deliver. Um, and, you know, that it's, it's stuck with me. That, that idea has stuck with me. So I consider that to be like a, a perfect example of what it means to be consistent. Thanks, Nikita, um, for that. Um, yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, mm -hmm. I hope everybody enjoyed it too. And thank you very much, Nikita, for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh.